0: Welcome to the Effective Engineering Manager Podcast. In today's episode, Adam and Slava invite a special guest to dive into the impact of feedback, honesty, and trust in the candidate selection process and experience.
1: Effective Engineering Manager Podcast. Hello,
0: Slava. Uh, How are you doing today? We have a special guest in our session.
1: I'm doing great. Maybe you'll do a short intro and uh, we'll get rolling.
0: We're very excited. Today we have a a guest and we're going to cover a very important topic about uh, feedback Um, and with that I'd like to introduce Tim Wenzel. Tim uh, joins us today out of Silicon Valley. Uh, Tim grew up in Silicon Valley from the age of five. He attended San Jose State University and uh, obtained his undergraduate degree in business with concentration in finance and a minor in journalism. He later went on to attain his MBA also at San Jose State. And after completing his undergraduate studies, he found that he had a natural passion for recruiting And after working for two staffing companies, he was recruited by one of his clients, which was a startup uh, that a few of you may know called PayPal. Uh, Tim joined PayPal in 2000 and was their first recruiter. Uh, So recruiter number one. Uh, He spent seven years as the head of recruiting at PayPal. And by the time he left, his team had grown the company from 50 to over 5,000 people. Huge growth. And in 2007, Tim then joined Tesla Motors. I see a theme here as VP of Human Resources, where he grew the company from 150 employees to 300 in just 12 months, doubled in in that short amount of time. And after Tesla, Tim spent two years running HR for an early stage video startup, uh, video chat startup called TalkBox. And Tim then joined a late stage venture backed startup called Chegg, where he headed up all the people function uh, work there. And then after 15 years at four startups, Tim co-founded a boutique recruiting consulting firm called the A-List Group. a specializes in running the recruiting function for startups. Wow, what a bio. And with that, Tim, welcome to our podcast.
2: Really happy to be here. Sorry, that bio was kind of long.
0: No, it's, it's quite impressive. It's because I'm old. Well, you know, with, with age comes wisdom, right? Isn't that what they say? I hope so. Well, Tim, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, we haven't had a visitor or a guest, I should say, you in, in a while, and we were due for one. And I think this is going to be a great topic. Um, tell us a little bit about what you know. You know, a little bit of a headline of what you want to talk about today, and why you think feedback is so important from your experience.
2: Sure. So, as you just explained, I spent the bulk of my corporate career in startups that were either growing really quickly or were trying to. And uh, so that tends to be a pretty dynamic uh, dynamic circumstances. And so the teams tend to be di- dynamic. So for example, during my seven years at PayPal, I believe we had about six CEOs. I think we had about five or six CTOs during that time period. Um, so leadership is changing. The, dyna- the, the office dynamics are changing. There's so many moving parts. Uh, looking back, I thought, you know, the, the things that really helped keep things together were some of the fundamental things that often we forget about, um, and feedback is one of those. So uh, I found that, you know, leaders who are really effective at giving and receiving feedback uh, tend to kind of keep things calm, you know, when the rest when, when there's so much chaos going on.
0: Yeah, I think that's an incredibly important topic, and I think you nailed it with so many things going on. Um, and, and so many changes, being able to to kind of adapt and learn uh, from your environment, even if it's not just learning about your mistakes and being able to kind of adjust uh, iteratively is so important. Um, Slava, what do, you, what do you think? I know this is a topic we've talked about before as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really uh, critical uh, to be able to uh, provide, provide feedback to your folks. But also uh, it's important to be able to receive the feedback because without receiving the feedback, uh, uh, we wouldn't know how we're doing and maybe Tim you would give us a bit of a deep dive of how engineering managers can do uh, good and better in this area sure.
2: yeah happy to so to me it's it's all about being authentic and not being afraid to have difficult conversations um, you know just just be real and uh, and don't keep people guessing about where they stand um, we had, especially going going back to the, the the growth time at PayPal, we had a lot of young first time managers that needed a lot of help and guidance. There was one there was one leader that uh, I was coaching, helping him prepare for our annual review cycle. This was just after eBay bought us, and eBay had a, a feedback system, a scoring system of one to five, five being a superstar and one meaning you should not be not be there. And uh, we were sitting down, going through his whole team, the rankings and the logic for the rankings. And there, there was one, one software engineer on, on his team. And I said, OK, wh- what are you going to give him? I, and we would review the quarterly scores. And he had given this gentleman a three for all four quarters. And so he, dec- he said he was going to give him a five for his annual review score. And I said, that makes no sense. It doesn't add up. And I said, why would you give him a three if, if he's a superstar? And he he said, I, I didn't want him to get lazy. So he was basically playing this game where he didn't want, he didn't want, he didn't really want to be authentic. He wanted to make it seem like he needed to work harder. So I, you know, that was a learning opportunity for for that leader. He went on to do amazing things, became a CEO for another company. But um, you know, so I think what I learned from that is, you know, really smart, well-meaning people. Can make decisions that don't make a lot of sense, and just having an open dialogue, and 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 really having a best practice in in play, and and being open and and getting ideas and sharing thoughts with other leaders as well as with your team, is the only way that you're gonna you're gonna make the whole team better.
0: Yeah, and I and I think um, one thing to add is, uh, I think the theme across a lot of what you're saying is Israeli really trust. Um, I know some of the, you know, I, I, I've, as being an engineering manager, uh, one of the things I've always, uh, really been proud of is, you know, being honest with my team. And I think one of the most heartwarming, um, feedback that I've gotten from my team over the years. And, and I I don't know why I was surprised on this. is just that when people say, Hey, I just appreciate you being honest and upfront with us. And I'm like, you know, I, I, that's what I want in, in my manager and, and, and that's how I try to be. And, and so it's really, it really does make an impact. I mean, if, of all the things I think my directs have ever come to me about, I think that's been one of the things that's been most consistent and, and like I said, surprising to me. So I think you're, you're, I think you're onto something.
2: Well, I think the reason why, the reason why they said that is that it's rare. You know, unfortunately yeah. there's a, a lot of leaders who, uh, care more about their own careers, care more about how their upper management is viewing them and their performance. They, they want to you know really be successful themselves. But I think what you miss when you do that is the opportunity to really have a quality connection with your people. My boss at uh, PayPal, who was my boss for, for the whole seven years, his name is Sal Gianbanco. really was a great mentor to me. And he cared more about his people than he did the company, which also is very rare. So if if you kind of keep it really human, and also you know ask regularly for feedback, and don't pretend like you have all the answers because no one does. Um, great ideas should come from everywhere. Um, you know, setting that tone and doing it repeatedly, you know, d- doing it all the time really, then you you're not surprising someone when you're doing the annual performance uh, review conversation, which a lot of people dread because they're not getting regular feedback. And uh, you know, if if it's if it's real. you're coming from a caring place, even if it's tough feedback, if you have that trust, like you said, and they know that you're coming from a good place, you really want to make them better. If they're screwing up, hit them between the eyes with it, you know, do it, you know, do it tactfully, but hit them between the eyes with it and then, and then help them if they don't know how to get better on their own, help them get the resources they need to, to improve. And if they can't improve, they could be in the wrong job and then you can have a different conversation.
0: Right. And at the end of the day, I mean, you're doing your job as a manager when you can give feedback, positive or negative. I know some managers kind of steer away from negative feedback because they don't want to, you know, upset the apple cart or upset an employee. But I think to your point, it's like that's kind of part of your job, and 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 it's okay to do that. It's perfectly okay um, to do it in the right way, especially when it comes from a poor, you know when you're being genuine about it. All right, Tim, well, let's I'd like to dive in a little bit more and uh, maybe do a little bit of Q&A to kind of help work through the topic. Um, First question for you uh, as we talk about feedback, how have you seen the best managers develop relationships with their direct reports in your experience?
2: Yeah, so it starts, it really starts during the recruiting process. You know, you really want to make sure you're not just grilling, technically grilling if you're an engineering leader, all of your candidates really getting to know them as people and coaching them holistically. Both some people need technical coaching or training. Some people need coaching on tact, certainly not to stereotype, but the software engineers tend to be, um, especially ones that are new to the workforce, they, they tend to need a little bit of uh, training as it comes to people skills. So uh, you know, make sure you, you're, you're vulnerable with them as it relates to you know, your, your own style. And then have an ongoing conversation with them, not just about their projects, not just about you know, what it's going to take to get a raise, but you know, what are their longer term goals? And sometimes their longer term goals might be better served working at a different company, right? And, and so thinking like that, giving feedback with that in mind is unique and will actually develop greater loyalty with, with your team. And, and you know the managers, that yeah, you hate to lose someone great. But if there's, you know, if there's making a move to another company is the, is the best thing for them, it'll, it'll pay it forward and they'll come back in other ways. And my boss at PayPal did that to me. In fact, the reason why I left to go to Tesla was he recommended me to Elon for that job. So, you know, that, that type of approach, um, again, is rare, but uh, I wish more people would do it.
0: Yeah. And actually on that note, um, what was that experience like? So, you know, in real time when your boss came to you and, and kind of recommended you. Um, I mean, coming from the other side, how did that feel? What what, what was? How did that help you actually become a better, uh, better at your role, and, and even better at guiding others?
2: Yeah, so it was really awkward the first time he did it. He did it a couple of times. Uh, the first time he came to me was in two thousand five, and he said, "Look, I don't want I don't want to lose you. You're doing a great job, but I wouldn't feel right if I didn't tell you about this opportunity." And in two thousand five, it was an opportunity uh, at SpaceX down in in Los Angeles, uh, when, you know, when Elon was starting to really build out that business. Um, and I actually flew down, took the interview, got the offer and declined it because I didn't want to move to LA, which was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. And I like to make fun of myself for that one. Um, but then he came back again, a couple of years later for the opportunity at Tesla. And I think what I learned from that was, um, you know, I, I feel like we tend to be too hung up on our own job that we're doing at any given time. Maybe a little bit too hung up on like the perception of the company, um, and th- and being open-minded. Like I, d- I, don't want to encourage ever anyone to be a job hopper, but um, you know, if you're if you're at a company for a few years and you've you've you know done you've made some really good uh, valuable contributions to that organization. Uh, it's smart to to keep an open mind and be recruitable if you know if there's if there's moves out there that are, that are going to be better. And I think that's what he taught me. I, I really wasn't. I was loving my job, uh, both in 2005 and 2000, into 2006 when he came to me for the Tesla opportunity. Um, and I, but I, I realized after seven years, I was probably a little too comfortable, and I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't learning as much. Uh, I and I believe that in order to to learn more, you really need to make yourself uncomfortable and uh, put yourself in in scenarios where you're gonna it's gonna be stressful but you're gonna learn more and grow from it
0: yeah uncomfortable that's a that that is a very important keyword um that uh something we don't talk too much about Uh, we're uncomfortable (laughs) by the the nature of it um just like we said before it's uncomfortable to give feedback it's uncomfortable to make change it's uncomfortable especially when your management chain may be you know expecting certain things a certain way and if you as somewhere in the middle and you have a team and you know you have to make a change or you have to give feedback you have to adjust course in real time um and still deliver that can that can be daunting for for many people that aren't afraid of that risk so i think you hit a, another really good important point there with uh with uncomfortability of the situation yeah, Slava, what what are your thoughts on on that? So
1: I think <clears throat> I think it's critical that uh, there are this uh, there is this opportunity for for a conversation between uh, a manager and their direct reports, uh, and at the same time, I think uh, at least my experience has been that negative feedback uh, coming out of nowhere is going to be scary, and uh, uh, and uh, when the manager comes to their direct reports and ask, Hey, can I talk to you about something? Um, uh, they're not going to be thinking that it's going to be amazing. So, and I think that my question becomes, how can we create a, an environment of, uh, psychological safety where direct reports are not fearing that, uh, seeing that the, the feedback is coming. What are your thoughts on this team?
2: Yeah, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier is, is trying not to surprise your people. It's all about providing context. Um, I feel like if you, if, you, if you get in the habit of providing ongoing feedback, positive, negative, or otherwise, um, then it, it, will, it will be less jarring when you have to have that difficult conversation, right? So if you, if you put someone in a new role, you put someone, you give someone a promotion, let's say, or you make them a first-time people manager, they're going to make mistakes. So it's treating those mistakes as learning opportunities, being tactful. You can be direct and tactful at the same time, um, you know, but not sugarcoating it because if you sugarcoat it, it's going to get lost in translation. So it's, it's having that, that relationship, having the trust, giving the direct feedback, and then also keeping it human and realizing that it might be hard for them to hear. And then checking in with them on a human level, maybe the next day, you know, you try and get some, get some casual time with them, take them to lunch, take them to coffee, what have you, and make sure that they're okay and, and let them know that you want them to be there for the long haul. Just because I gave you tough feedback yesterday doesn't mean I don't want you here you know, for the next few years.
1: Good stuff. So Tim, what do you think about uh, giving positive feedback only for, for some time, for a bit or for some time, maybe for one or two months, three months? And, uh, and once they get used to the fact that feedback is uh, not harmful, switching to corrective feedback. What are your thoughts on this? Or would you would rather prefer just, you know, go straight in?
2: So if it's, let's say in the case, it sounds like you're talking about maybe a new hire. Um, you know, if it, it, it usually takes a while to see, you know, if they're, if, if, if it's obvious that they're not performing in the first 30 days, you probably just made the wrong hire, right? So I think those, the first 60 days or so can be usually almost all positive conversations because you're you're planning, you're talking about what the future is going to look like. you're talking about what that person's role, what, what you'd like their role to look like. Um, and then it's probably not until month three or four where you're starting to see the results of their work. And that that so that's about the right timing where if there is negative feedback, if there if things if' you're, if they're not performing the way you expected them to, that's about the right timing. If you if you hired the right person, where they're going to start making some mistakes, and then it's about again being tactful, being deliberate, and letting them know that you want you're very interested in them being successful. But you notice this thing is not not going the way it should, and so how can we how can we help you be successful?
1: So yes, uh, I was going to say uh, that uh, when uh, uh, Adam, you and uh, uh, team, we were talking together offline. Uh, Tim mentioned that how critical it was to build a great uh, candidate experience uh, when hiring. Uh, uh, So maybe, Tim, you could tell us a bit more about it. How how can managers build this uh, great candidate experience in recruiting?
2: Absolutely. So I've done quite a bit of uh, interview skills training workshops, especially for teams that are uh, light on recruiting experience and interviewing experience. And I always encourage those teams to treat candidates the same as they would treat a guest in their home, you know, just basic things like make sure they know where the restrooms are, make sure they, they have water or if they're, if they're coming in during lunchtime, make sure they're fed. Um, so th- if those basic things are, are, are taken care of, then they're going to be comfortable and you're actually going to be able to get to know the person and hopefully, you know, get through the nervousness more quickly and just get to meaty conversation. And then, you know, once you're into the meat of the conversation, make sure that you're giving um, each of your interviewers areas of focus um, so that you're getting a complete balanced view of the candidate. One of the worst things that that is all too common is you, you see multiple interviewers asking the same questions to the candidate and that that tells the candidate that, hey, they're these these guys are not they're not really in lockstep on this stuff. So to be like hyper organized in, in every step of the process, make sure that, that you're thinking about how you'd want to be treated if you were the candidate, getting that holistic uh, feedback, getting, getting the feedback quickly from the interviewers. I always try and get that feedback within 24 hours. I try to have a conversation within 48 hours with the candidate to collect their feedback, share our feedback um, versus you know going radio silent and taking forever to get back to candidates is a major turnoff. It again is all too common in Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah, no, that is that is very true. Um, and you know, it, you never know, right? At that point, I mean, presuming you haven't already ruled out that counter, you never know who could be that diamond in the rough. And you know, I I I know from recruiting some folks, you know, um, there were times where um, you may have wanted to you know, you get busy with other things, you may have wanted to pass on someone, but you're really happy you didn't because you end up sticking with that candidate and they actually become one of your better employees. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think you hit a, another really good point there. Um, okay, so let's say, you know, you recruit good people, they're in the job, now, you know, they're working with their, their teams and their manager, now the manager has to start delivering feedback to, to either that person or someone else on the team or, or some dynamics have changed. How do you suggest managers best deliver feedback and and how do they how do you determine if they should even use that as an opportunity to deliver feedback
2: so i i I'm a big believer just from having been around the block many times, um, especially if it's someone that's in their first 90 days if um, you, you usually know if they're going to stick or not right if If you're having multiple flags with someone that's been there for three three or four months um, you know, in, instead of going through a painful series of conversations and getting your HR person involved and, you know, doing a written performance improvement plan, I prefer to have a discussion that says, hey, I'm wondering if this might be a mismatch um, and, and have them have input on what to do. So again, going back to the surprise thing, you don't want to surprise them and say, hey, you're on a performance improvement plan. If you do that, they're, not, they're going to stop listening right away. Versus, right. hey, I'm going to be real with you. I'm seeing some things that are concerning, that are surprising to me. I want to get your feedback on it, right? And and sometimes the the person will say, you know what, this job's a little bit more. I think I'm in it over my head. It's more than I than I thought it was going to yep. be. And you know, I'm not. I'm really uncomfortable. I'm not sure I can get comfortable here. Then you can have a, a nice, tactful conversation, which is keeping it human. You know, let's let's cons- let's work on a transition plan. And, you know, help them help them with their search elsewhere. I've done that many times. Um, But doing that is much better than stretching it out for months. And then people get stressed out. It's stressful for the manager and the employee. Now, if if it's a different scenario where you actually think they have the raw capabilities to be a good, a good uh, performer with some coaching and training, then that's a much different conversation. And that can be a very positive conversation, but you have to get them you have to sit them down sit them down, and get them to sign up for the work that is required to get them there.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and as I'm listening to you, I think one other thing that really stood out from what you just said, I think is also so important. Uh, and it's a subtle thing. When you're, when you, and there may be some flags and you sit down with that individual, um, that's another really important data point. Um, I I know from some opportunities where I've had some folks on the team where you're still trying to gauge, like is it because they're struggling? Is it because they're not committed to the job? Is because they got something else going on? Um, but seeing that human relation, that interaction, when you get them on a on a in a conference room or in a Zoom or whatever, and you're like, hey, how do you feel? What's your feedback? If they come at you with a with also a human side of it, I think that's an immediate for me. That's a real positive because that's like. Oh yeah, I'm really struggling. I'm really trying. What else can I do? But if you don't, let's say you don't get a really candid answer, you can tell it's not candid. Um, it, I mean, can you talk a little about, about that? How a manager can interpret that and and adjust their course based on what they get back from the candidate or the individual in that case?
2: Yeah, you know, you you're, you should constantly be reading your your employees, right? And Reading how they react to feedback, um, and some people are introverts and they don't really want to talk too much about it because it's so uncomfortable. Um, then it's if 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 they're that style, then you just have to monitor how they're doing. Sometimes it'll be a wake up call, and all of a sudden they'll start hustling and and doing a great job. Um, if someone is defensive and disingenuous, um, then I would you know I would let them know that you're really concerned about that, and I would I would probably move toward exiting the person quickly if they don't
1: stop doing that
0: yeah for sure slava what are your thoughts i think it's
1: pretty solid and uh i really like the idea of uh first of all uh coming uh we talked kind of we went very broad the notion of uh uh candidate experience and uh, making sure that we uh come back to them uh pretty much within 24 hours and uh And we've we've all been there. We went through hiring process and uh, it's really tough when you don't hear anything for same day or the next day. Then after I've never thought when there was a delay that uh, it's just the team is taking time to come up with with a decision. Most of the times I thought, okay, uh, they're interviewing someone else and they're just keeping me in the back pocket. If something else is not working out, It's, it's really Never a positive uh, thought process on the candidates' uh, side of things, and uh, it's really I believe that building this uh, sense of uh, someone being welcome. And uh, team, you mentioned that making them feel that uh, uh, they're guests in the house, and it does it does require special effort. And uh, team, you mentioned that it requires deliberate hiring process uh, from uh, from the from the moment. Uh, the candidate walks in the door, uh, and to uh, you know, final handshakes. Uh, I can. My own experience has been that uh, a simple thing like such as a couple of bottles of water, a uh, few snacks on the table, and because they, they do need the break between uh, the the interviews and all, all the good stuff, that makes huge difference. Uh, may, or can can make huge difference, and. Um, so I think uh, my 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 question to your team was, uh, so we let's say we made a uh, we we took uh, the candidate through a, a great hiring process. We hired them. Uh, they're doing well, and we keep hiring. We keep growing the team. And you grow on teams from uh, from pretty much nothing to thousands of people. Uh, how do we create, uh, How do we build a great uh, company in engineering cultures? Uh, that uh, allows the engineers to blossom and allows the managers deliver great things while uh, keeping the team. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, there's there's a few things that I think, uh, you know, are really important. One, if you, if you just think about the work that the engineers are doing, it's, um, it's really valuable work. So make sure that they feel valued. Make sure that you thank them for their work often, which is, you know, again, something that is all too uncommon. Um, and then, you know, have, have, especially the, in, the early engineers, you know, that when the, t- the company starts growing, um, you know, when, you, when you're going from, say, 100 to 1,000, that change is most, it's most stressful for the early people. So for the early engineers, they tend to be the most affected by that. So staying close to those, you know, especially the ones that you see as kind of what we used to call culture pillars, um, giving them every opportunity to expand the scope of their work Uh, make sure you understand what their career goals are. Make sure, you you know, if, if you think that their, their goals are, you're, they're not ready, say they're, they want to be a people manager and they're not ready, let them know that, tell them that. Um, And then, you know, when you, when you scale the organization, when you treat them the right way, you're kind of showing them that, right? And then as they become leaders, they do that for their new hires and it just kind of spreads. And that's, that's, I think what happened at PayPal, you know, we not, we, we made our fair share of mistakes, but it was an environment where we could be, um, you know, we could be honest with each other. It was no holds barred. We would, we would argue about things all the time, but it was, it was a culture where, you know, you, everyone was encouraged to speak their mind. And if, if you felt like you were not being treated fairly, speak up and we'll, we'll listen to you and, you know, either agree or agree or disagree. So I think that that's the, that's the culture that we were pretty successful in building there and, and then also just giving your internal people chances, you know, don't go outside too much. You know, we, we brought in some engineering leaders that were too far away from the code as we were trying to scale. And it was like organ rejection. It did not work. Um, so, you know, bringing in you know people that can still review code for as long as possible, if not write it, I think is, is critical for startups where, you know, the engineers are going to either respect you or not, depending on how technical you are, as well as how you treat them. If you treat them like a human, and so I think it sounds really basic, but uh, you know, if, if you get those things right, you're going to have a good chance of of retaining people that um, that you know
1: that are really going to be valuable. Hmm. Yeah, this is good stuff, and I really like your uh, idea or a concept of uh, this initial engineering team that 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 begins the company and uh, I, I really like this uh concept of uh that team uh carrying that dna forward and uh focusing on those folks and making sure that they are uh fully engaged because they are they are the they are the ones which are going to be defining the next generations of the engineers coming on board and uh, uh, because i've seen companies, following this approach where they say, well, okay, uh, these guys were great in the beginning, but now we we need something else. And I really never bought into this. And I think um, even though maybe they're not as great as uh, new folks at uh, larger scale things, but this is the foundation of the company. I think keeping that foundation of the company on, on the engineer's side is just as important as uh, the founders themselves. um, Um, uh, keeping, uh, keeping the company going forward. Good stuff.
2: That's right. And I'll just mention quickly as I think back about those PayPal days, uh, you know, Max Levchin was co-founder of the company, highly technical, very young. I think he was 23 or 24 when he founded the company. Um, he was a fantastic natural leader. And I think he was, he's was more interested in doing really technical stuff. Um, and, uh, but, but people kind of encouraged him to, to, to be a people manager because they respected him so much. Um, so, you know, like that's an example where getting feedback from the troops is important. You know, we tried to bring in a big suit that uh, that got organ rejected. And then we we decided, OK, they like Max. Let's try and develop more leaders internally. And uh, and that worked really well.
0: Tim, uh, why don't I would like to switch gears to the other side now? Um, you know, we focus a lot on the candidate experience, but how do you coach let's say first time founders as they're starting to build, you know we talked about this first engineering team is first, um, certainly a first experience for them. how do you how do you coach them on the whole candidate experience?
2: Yeah, you know I, i'll I'll put the founders through the same uh, the same training. It's like it's like an hour and a half interview skills training workshop, which is very interactive and and gives specific examples of mistakes that companies make. It's got some funny videos so they can kind of laugh at themselves. Um, but you know, sometimes you see a first time founder that thinks, you know, because they're so smart, they don't need help with anything. You kind of have to get in their face a little bit again, tactfully, and just say, Hey, look, I'm the, I'm the subject matter expert on this particular topic. And you were rude to that candidate. And I don't really want to work with you if you're going to do that. Do you want to fix this or no? Right. You know, so I, I think just being again, direct with with everyone, including the, the founders is critical. And then, you know, if you do that, they're usually, they're, they're going to respond. Um, they want to build great companies. So if you do that, they're probably going to respect you more and then, uh, you know, make sure that you're keeping an eye on that. And if, you know, a C, a C, senior engineers start leaving candidates in, in conference rooms, you've, you let them know mm-hmm. that you're not okay with that. And, uh, and you set that standard. And then if, if, if you're well-respected, they'll, they'll listen and then they'll, they'll, Give that same feedback to to other engineers and and we were fortunate to have some fantastic uh, you know early developers um, at PayPal and that they they actually cared about it you know if they didn't care about it I think they always cared about it but they they just were maybe too focused on the technical stuff initially not enough on the human stuff um, but with some feedback and coaching they they came around and and we ended up I think with a really fantastic uh, experience and then you know, that resulted in, in really fantastic hires.
0: From your experience, uh, just curious, you're dealing with first time founders. How many iterations does it take before you really get them on that path? Because I can imagine, I mean, founders are, you know, by their nature, they're, they're core, you know, they live their product or their dream. And I can understand how they would want to have full control. So, from your side, how long does that typically take?
2: It just takes a couple of conversations. You know, if, if they know that I'm coming from the right place, um, it depends, and it depends on the, the relationship. If it's someone that I've known for a while, it's a lot easier. If it's someone that I just got introduced to and I'm new working with them, you know, I might be a little gentler. But uh, by the second conversation, I'm, I'm going to let them know that this is something that's not negotiable. Just like if I was the recruiter trying to get them to change their tech stack, that wouldn't make sense either. So, you know, it's putting things in perspective. You know, sometimes they don't get it at all, and you know, I've seen plenty of founders you know get fired by boards, which is never fun. But uh, but yeah, I think sure. just not being afraid to have the conversations, not being afraid of really you know anything or anyone, being you know fearless and tenacious is
0: uh, is usually the best path. Absolutely, Slava, did you have anything you wanted to add on that?
1: Yeah, I think um, I really like this idea of. Um, uh, uh, paying attention and also uh, being direct in terms of the feedback, especially when we talk about talk about or talk to uh, uh, first-time founders. And I I consult uh, startups founders uh, uh, once in a while, uh, sp- particularly from my network. It's not like it's not exactly a job, and uh, and I like it because I think this is the time when we can make the most difference in people's lives. Because where they can set them on the right path, uh, and uh, team like you mentioned, being being gentle in the beginning, but maybe then being direct if they are continuing to insist to make their mistakes, and uh, at the same time, I think there are p- approaches which can can help a lot, uh, and my my favorite one, which I practiced myself when I started my own company, I was something like 23 or 24 long ago. Uh, in the three, three or four different lights back. And uh, I, only later I discovered this it's not my invention because by that time it was, has already been discovered because it was uh, 1992 or so. And uh, this notion, which is uh, I most clearly expressed by Steve Jobs, that uh, we hire experts uh, to tell us what to do. And we are not, we're not hiring experts to tell them what to do. So, and when I was hiring first time as a, as a founder, my company was like me and a half or uh, three of us, as they say, me, myself, and I, and I quickly realized that uh, I should be hiring into the gaps I have. I did not have anyone to take over operational work, which I, uh, I needed as a uh, networking company. I did not have software engineers to take on a, meteorically increasing workloads uh, that I had as, as, as a lonely, lonely founder and, and then I thankfully I had a co-founder later. And from moment on when I started hiring into the missing parts in my, my in my company and in my org, it has become very easy because I was looking into the faces and eyes of those of the people I was hiring and I was asking them a very simple question, I need help. Can you help? And if you can, it's all going to be yours. The moment I see that I can trust you, which is basically get one thing done, you're on your own. Yeah, All I'm going to be doing is just providing support and making sure that you have everything to be successful. And from that moment on, I didn't even think of myself as, an, as a manager, but from that moment on, this notion of hiring in, into hiring experts and letting them to do what they're, what they're supposed to do instead of driving them hard forward really worked well for me. And I think uh especially for technical founders of the companies it's super critical to understand that they have to learn how to hire into gaps instead of hiring themselves version to that all um, and i've seen it happening and, and you know team mentioned that sometimes people don't get it uh I, I immediately lose interest when i come in as an expert and say hey you you are trying is a you're your founder uh you you don't. You have gaps in HR, you have gaps in operations, you have gaps in uh, uh, systems. And you are telling me that you know better how to hire. Well, you've never hired anyone yourself. And when you hire people, you are hire, still hiring a software engineer instead of uh, hiring into the gap. Uh, and uh, that I think for startup founders and co-founders is super critical to be humble more what's your thing and drive that thing, but also be extremely comfortable and deliberate in hiring and accepting the fact that you hire an expert, they'll do their job, and maybe that's not gonna be the way you would do the job. And being prepared through the hiring process because people can easily read when some, a hiring, hiring manager, if it's a founder or co-founder, when they begin to tell them how they're gonna be doing their job <laughs> even before they got hired. Right. Um, so.
2: I don't think that most of us ask for help often enough. I think it's seen as a, a sign of weakness, and it really shouldn't be. I think the best people ask for help frequently.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, tying this into just a regular engineering manager experience, I mean, these, all these same things apply. You don't have to be a founder to practice hiring people that you know, can tell you what to do. Um, and going back to that whole human exchange, people appreciate that. Um, I, you know, I've I've been a software engineer before. I've developed code. It doesn't necessarily mean today I'm the best coder anymore, right? Um, and so I have to, I always say, look, I feel like I should be able to do the job that my, uh, my direct is doing as an engineer because, like you said, that level of respect. But I never purport to be the best at it. And I want to learn every day. So I think that's a really key lesson for all of the managers that are listening out there, whether you're endeavoring to be a, you know, move up the next step in your career or be a start your own business or or be on either side of that whole candidate experience.
2: It definitely works in recruiting, too. You know, I always tried to recruit recruiters that were better than me and not pretend like I was better than anyone. And that setting that tone, I think, really helped.
0: Absolutely. Well, great lessons uh, all across the board. So, Tim, you know, we have covered a lot about feedback. We've covered the candidate experience on both sides. We've touched on recruiting. We've touched on your extensive experience and some great stories. Um, To kind of start to wrap up here, can you provide a checklist that our listeners can start to use almost immediately to help in any of these areas? Absolutely.
2: So the first is give real feedback to your team and ask them to do the same. Set a culture of continuous open feedback. Two is fire fast. If you make the wrong hire and you know that it's not fixable, let the person go quickly and do it humanly. Three, be deliberate with your interview process. Again, treat candidates like you would treat a guest in your home and give them feedback quickly. Don't, don't give them radio silence. It's a major turnoff. Number four, care more about your people than you do the company. And number five, make sure that your team understands their purpose. The work that they do is valuable, so make sure that they feel valued.
0: I think on that note, that, that last one is so key. Uh, making sure your team understands their purpose. Because at the end of the day, you you're a your family together and you should all be sharing common purpose. And I, I think that's such a key lesson. Well, Tim, this has been outstanding. Uh, this has been great having you on as a guest here. bring brings some, a huge wealth of knowledge. I think that wisdom truly paid off. Um, we really enjoyed having you. Hopefully we can have you again in the future for other sessions too.
1: Anytime. I would love that. Appreciate your time. Well, Tim, thank you. Uh, it was good stuff and I'm sure all more good stuff is coming. Thank you. Appreciate both of you.
0: And thank you. And to our listeners out there, um, uh, please uh, let us know what you think of all of our uh, episodes by rating us wherever you are receiving this podcast. Um, you can also reach out to us uh, on the web at www.effectiveem.com. Email us at contact effectiveem.com. And until next time, uh, happy managing out there.